has been educating and inspiring individuals, entrepreneurs, and leaders for decades. He's helped millions of people to move past the mental barriers that were holding them back from stepping into their power to become a better version of themselves and live a kick-ass life. I know this firsthand as I'm Jenny, Dan's wife. And here's your host, Dan Locke. Today, we have one of Canada's most forward-thinking entrepreneurs. He is the co-founder of Cult Collective, founder and chairman of The Gathering, an annual conference known for its amazing speakers and content, and a two-time author and speaker. Ryan Gill, welcome to the show. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Dan Locke Show. Today, I am very excited. We're going to talk about marketing, digital marketing, branding. Now, usually, I, when I bring on a guest, we talk about business, we talk about entrepreneurship. But as you know, if you follow my work, I am a huge fan of brands, marketing, studying marketing. I've been doing marketing my whole life. So today, we have one of Canada's most forward-thinking entrepreneurs. He's the co-founder of Cult Collective and chairman of The Gathering, an annual conference known for its amazing speakers and content. Two times author, Ryan, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. <laughs> Who paid you to say all that stuff? Man, I mean, I'm going to send you an invoice after this. <laughs> uh, Ryan, I know, now rumor says you could speak Cantonese. Uh, it's a, that is a lie. Fake <laughs> news. Uh, it was a joke that we wrote. Everyone was writing these... Um, uh, profiles for uh, our website and, and yes. everyone was missed the point where we're like, say something that's not true. Yes. But the person who put the content up uh, forgot to redact those, but then everyone starts saying that to me. So I like leaving it in there to see if they did their homework. That is so funny. So is it Naoma? I think that's the, that's good. Okay. I, I thought I was going to do the whole thing just in Cantonese just to kind of throw you yeah. off. It's, it's good. <laughs> but uh, welcome. Funying. That means welcome to the show in Cantonese. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so Ryan, talk to us a little bit about like your background. Like how did you get into marketing in the, in the early days? Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a uh, entrepreneur through and through. Uh, my first business was selling golf balls in a small town in Ontario called Brockville. I would, uh, you know, search for them. I'd have my two younger brothers actually do most of the work, free labor. Um, yeah. And then I wash them up and then, uh, you know, sell them at a profit. What a great business. I should maybe go back to that. <laughs> that that's no, no, no inventory, low overhead. <laughs> free product. Um, no, but I love that. And um, I made a big statement to my dad at, around that age um, that uh, I wanted, I was, I was okay at hockey, but I was like, I'm not going to make the NHL. I was self-aware. I said, you know what? I'm not going to make the NHL, but I'm going to buy a hockey team. Mm. And uh, my dad said, I'm going to remember that. And he's reminded me since I was 11. I'm 42 now. And I've kept that dream alive. And in order to buy a hockey team, as you know, that's a lot yes. of cash, probably about $500 million you need. Yes. Uh, so I said, I better get to work. And yeah, so yes. I uh, got to about grade 11. And I said, you know what? I, I don't have enough time to wait to get through high school and university to start working. So I dropped out in grade 11 mm. and uh, did a few odd jobs and then moved out west to Calgary from Ontario and started my first business in 99, 2000 um, and found my passion. And so I went quick into the entrepreneurial field, uh, started a digital agency when no one built digital agencies in the late 90s, early 2000s mm. and sold that business. Um, lots of ups and downs, failures and, and successes along the way. 
uh, then started another firm called Collective, which you mentioned. I'm a yes. co-founder of that. Uh, but I'm the chairman now. I've, I've stepped down as president. That's what yeah. every entrepreneur that's listening, you should build a business that can run itself. And I did that. And it's still running a very successful firm without me. Yeah. Uh, I started an event called The Gathering. Uh, almost by accident, it's became, uh, by Forbes would say, it's the number one marketing conference in the world. Dan will have to have you uh, this year in February. Actually, Brian Scudamore introduced us. Um, I actually met him there last year. So, oh, um, nice, nice. Yeah, that's how we met. Um, shout out Brian Scudamore, 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Yes. Um, hey, Brian, if you're watching this. <laughs> yeah, we love you, buddy. Um, and then that took off. I've stepped down from that. I'm, I'm a true founder CEO. I'm only good for two or three years. Um, I am not you're a, very good at starting, launching a company, but then you have someone else running it. Yeah, build the team, mm. build the culture, mm. get the systems in place, and then let it go. Um, and so it took me a while, Dan, to get to that. I thought, uh, and I think that's why some of my other companies failed. I tried to do the whole thing, and it was a bit of ego. Mm. And uh, letting go, because my big thing, into, now I love who I am. Mm. But my big thing was, I don't want to say I'm a starter, because that sounds flaky. Mm. Right? And then I started to think about it. And actually, when I think my uh, psychologist said, Ryan, you've run company for seven years. You've run company for seven years. If you're tens of millions of dollars, you're not a flake. You're just a starter and that's okay. So mm. I built out Cult Collective um, and then the gathering. And now uh, after years of doing a few other things, so I'm in some real estate and stuff like that. Um, I had an idea for a uh, marketplace business, like my first global business I had built. Um, international business before, mm. but I had a chance to do build a global business, which is called Communo. Communo We're going yes. to scale it up to a $500 million business over the next five years. And that's easy to say, hard to do. Yes. And uh, so I'm on that journey. And I was just saying to Dabs, my uh, producer here, um, if I hadn't known how hard this is going to be, I definitely would not have done it. <laughs> yes. Even after all my years of entrepreneurship, this is the hardest one I've ever had to build, but mm. um, I'm documenting the journey. So if we go to zero, or we go to the billion dollars that we evaluation we hope. Uh, I'm sharing the story with entrepreneurs through my uh, social media profile. Nice. Uh, at Ryan Gill Shares. Nice. So, Ryan, uh, there's so many questions. Uh, first of all, talk to us about how you see what's your view on, on marketing and how do you see marketing has changed over the years, now, over the decades, right? Yeah. That you've been involved with. Let's, um, so, let's, Let's work um, from now backwards. So okay. obviously with social media, which you're a master at, congrats. Yeah. It's good to finally meet you. I didn't know how to take you, to be honest. You're actually <laughs> a cool guy. You got this uh, veneer of like the nice suit and stuff. I'm like, how's he going to be? But he, for those watching, he's a, he's a good dude. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, starting from now, like with social media and digital, it's almost old school now. Uh, yeah. It's been around for so long. Um, there's so many ways to get your message out there. So you have to be the real deal. In my, in my first book, I wrote Fix, Break the Addiction, Killing Brands. I really talk about how cult brands are built. Yes. But the, the point of it is, is that to cut through the clutter, you have to have a good product. You can't just shout really loud because there's lots of people on social and digital that shout really loud, but they don't cut through. And then secondly, you need to have purpose. And uh, so the, social, the, the media landscape has changed, uh, but I still think the core uh, thing that makes great brands good is the product or the service, whichever you're selling, mm. and, uh, and some sort of purpose behind it that people can get behind, that they don't just buy your product, they buy into it. And mm. so, um, so going back, uh, I've been in digital almost for, it's crazy, almost 20 years. Mm. Um, but before that, TV, uh, where you just, you could, you could kind of buy your way to the top, 
um, through shouting the loudest, meaning buying Super Bowl ads and buying commercials. Um, and then radio, of course, before that. Um, Remember, I went back then when I was doing marketing broadcast facts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, broadcast facts, <laughs> yellow pages, right? <laughs> direct, direct marketing. All direct mail, because that's my background, right? Coming from direct mail. Oh, and I, you know what? Direct mail is, I, I think it's hot. It can be hot again, done right. I agree. Excited about it. Anyway, side note. Yes. So looking at like those different changes in uh, the medium, um, and, and even the types of messages, it's always come for me, it comes back to the product and the service. And can you stand behind it? It doesn't mean something to customers. Do you think that it's harder to get traction for any startup now or back then? No, harder now, because again, money could buy, there was only a few channels, right? Yeah. You might say there in our days, I don't know how old you are, Dan, I'm 42. You know, there's thir- in my early days, there's 13 channels, click, 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 and you had to click, you know, and, and you could buy the airways. And, and when hard, building any brand and building any business is hard, whether you're 1950 or 2019. So it's always hard. It's never easy or everyone would do it. Yeah. But it's definitely harder now because you, the consumer has to kind of sort through the shit. Or what's good? Sorry, I don't know if I can swear on this. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, trust me. It's, it's, um, <laughs> the, uh, I think it's harder now. Yeah. Because there's so many things to figure out. VR, social, AR, um, direct mail. Do we do uh, traditional media? Like, it, it's, it's really hard. Um, and do you think it's also harder not only to cut through the noise, but also to stay relevant? You can see brands where it's like, they make a splash and, and they get some attention, but then afterwards it's like, it goes down here like that. Right. Like it takes effort to be, to, to build your social following. It takes even more effort to sustain the social media following. Wouldn't you agree? Well, yeah, the, the, the stats are in about, I think it's 50% of the fortune 500 companies stayed on that list for mm. like 50 years or more. And yeah. fact check me on this people watching. I don't know what it is exactly, but I know, the point that I'm trying to make is I think it's 15 years now is the average mm. that people stay on that list. That's sad. Yeah. Then if you read my book, fix it, I'll, I have the fix for you is stop relying on advertising because advertising is a tax on remarkable companies pay for being unremarkable. So they scale up fast because they're buying ads and they're buying their way to the top and you can even do it in social, mm-hmm. but do you have the staying power? And that always comes to uh, the product. And, uh, and, and do you care about your customers? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, people, I think the, the jury's out. We'll see Airbnb, Uber, these great companies. Can they stay around for 15, 20, hundred years? Like Ford, uh, you know, Tesla's barking up a pretty tough tree mm-hmm. and I, I, I drive a Tesla. I love Tesla, yes. but can they stay around? That's, I love that question. Cause that's the real truth. Um, being famous for 20 years, cool. That's not legacy. Being famous for 70 years, that's legacy. Yeah. And it's like, I tell people all the time, entrepreneurs, like, don't be so impressed by someone. They've made X amount of dollars. They've achieved certain amount of success in like a few years. Yeah. Like look at the guys who have been around, like say, you know, Buffett, like 20, yep. 30, 40 years. Those are the guys they should be impressed because yes. Their career is like this, yes. not like this. Right? Yes, and and on that note, like you can't buy your way to the top. Yes. You can, sorry, you can, but you can't stay there forever. Yeah. Uh, and the, here's the key. Like I'll tell you a story. One of my clients, Harley Davidson, they came to us six years ago to my firm, Cult, and they were declining in sales. They used to own fifty percent of the market, which is crazy. Mm. Uh, anytime you own fifty percent of the market, you're doing well. 
And no doubt, no doubt about it, they're a cult brand. People tattoo them all the time. I think they're the most tattooed brand. Uh, they come to tattoo culture, so they have a bit of a cheat. But um, they say, I'm not going to give real stats, but just for easy math for your audience, say they have a $100 million marketing budget. They spend 80, so it's not bad to market or advertise, but here's, here's the, if you want the key, and even for influencers, things like that. They spend 85 million of those $100 million on their existing customers. That's marketing. And that's how they keep repeat customers. That's how they uh, create word of mouth. Uh, they still market a little bit and advertise to get new customers, of course. But, um, the, you know, the most powerful marketing is word of mouth or a rumor. Um, and so they're, they're really leaning into that. It's so interesting because people look at what I do. They see me as, as, as a marketing person too, right? And, and, your nice, and your nice suits. <laughs> thank you. And so, but I, I tell people all the time is you want to be so good at marketing to get to a point where you build a company that you don't need marketing. Correct. That's when you know you're doing it right. Because yes. through word of mouth, repeat business or recurring income, your business model, whatever you're working on that you don't need to market. You can still market. You're still, you're still pushing a brand out there, but then you're not counting on, because you see this, I'm sure you see this on digital, in the digital marketing space. Companies, they run ads. Yep. They get a decent return. But the minute they stop the ads. That's why we call the book fix. It's like yeah. the, 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 the cover of the book has a guy with a needle on his arm. It's exactly it, right? And so you get high. Yes. So you have to do it again. So you keep, mm -hmm. you, keep you know, uh, it, it's a sad, uh, uh, my business partner, Chris Nealon, much smarter than me. He's a keynote around the world. He's actually speaking in Russia right now, I think, or Croatia. Um, he, he um, has all the stats around, you know, the, the spend in global marketing spend, media spend mm. is around like 138 billion annually yeah. or something like that. Yet those companies that spend all that money, so Procter and Gamble, they're yeah. declining. So it's something's not working, but it's, it's, if you're going to short a company or a business, I would short the advertising marketing business because they're overspending and you can't keep doing it. Yes, and then and, and the Facebook and Google, they're they're taking all the dollars, right? They are the ones that's making all the money. Um, I, wish, I wish I wish clients listened to that because I was telling them to do that in two thousand five. <laughs> it was underpriced. Now it's expensive. Yes, yes. And throughout the, the years, what are some of the like mistakes that you've made that you learn from as an entrepreneur? Because you talk about okay, yeah. before you try to run the company now, but now you know your personality, your visionary, you. You focus more on launching a company, building the culture, building a system, uh, getting the team. Like, what are some of the key lessons that you've, you've learned? It's probably, you've probably heard this lots from lots of entrepreneurs. I, I echo them. Is um, My big one is ego. Getting uh, yes. away and making mistakes because you think you're somebody that you're not. Mm. So keeping that in check now for me is just have, uh, mentors around me and people that can call my uh, bullshit. And uh, entrepreneurs are given to bullshit. And I'm included in that, trying to make things look better than they are. We need to keep that in check. It's a, it's a balance, right? What, you know, what's real, what's, you know, vision's important, but what's actually real. So I'm looking, you know, I've had those failures. But one of the biggest mistakes I made that I talk about lots when I give keynotes is um, spending the money before you have it. Now, here's the difference. That's easy. That's clearly, if you don't have it, you can't spend it. But in the business world, you get a contract, for instance, in 2006 or seven. I got a $2.5 million uh, e-commerce deal website for one of my digital agencies, big deal back in those days. Mm -hmm. And we got a $250,000 deposit. Mm -hmm. I went out and hired 20 or 30 people on top of the people I already had. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I, uh, you know, went and got an office space 
and the office spaces, top floor, rooftop uh, patio. Yes. And, you know, it was $40,000 a month rent. Yes. Uh, and and so how long of a lease? Month to month? Five, five years, 2.5. Five years, okay. 1.5 million. So there you go. Um, yeah. Didn't, I didn't do that math when I started doing this. Um, and so uh, two weeks in, maybe a month in, I had hired a bunch of people, moved into the space. Exciting, right? I was young. Yes. Um, and two things I did wrong. So I, I had the contract, but I didn't have the money. And so I, didn't, I just should have let my company get full and then build it as we go. But I got a call and the CMO said, listen, he's sitting down. I said, oh, shit. When, when someone says that to you, it's not going to be a good uh, ending. Um, and they basically said, we're pulling the contract in-house. You can sue us. It'll probably take five years to go through that. Don't do it. You also work on the other side of the business with us. You'll lose that. And I crawled under my desk and cried. Uh, not because of I felt sorry for myself, but because I've been such an idiot to drag my partners through this. Mm. Uh, sign up for these leases, hire all these people. Uh, I felt bad for them. And, and so we saved it. We figured it out, but not without losing millions of dollars along the way. Mm. And it all came, it came back to um, ego mm. and trying to look better than I was. I even gave this talk the other day. Dad's my producer was there. And I said, why did I do that? It came to me. It's like, we were already big. Why was I trying to look bigger? And it's, it's just a trap you find yourself in of trying to impress others rather than just being okay with it yourself. So hopefully I've overcome that. Mm. And, uh, but that was a big, uh, tough lesson I went through and uh, I won't do that again. The other mistake I made, uh, was, um, having, that was a really big client and, uh, you can, you probably share this with your audiences. You can't have, it's great to have big, big clients, but you got to have four or five of them. So this yeah. client represented like 40 or 50% of my business when it goes away. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, yeah. my, uh, my, uh, computer might die. So could you find the charger for me? Hopefully. Yeah, cause, cause I believe like the, the, the worst number in business is one, right? <laughs> the, one, one big account that one superstar employee, right? That one vendor, like that's, yes. the, that's the worst number. So why do you think most entrepreneurs, let's say someone watching this or listening to this podcast, they run a decent business, maybe like a seven figure business, but a lot, a lot of entrepreneurs, even good entrepreneurs, they stay stuck and they cannot scale. And you talk about culture and building a team. Like what do you do to scale a company? Because even scaling a digital agency, that's, that's difficult because digital agency is very, I think have you, right? I think it's very interesting right now. Uh, it's a great question for me to answer because I think there's two ways. Mm. Uh, the number one way, which you probably hear lots in this show and the, and then the second way, which I think will be new for your, for mm. your uh, viewers. The number one way is culture and you've mm. got to hire people that are better than you. And that's hard to do. If you're good, I believe I'm good. You're good, Dan. Yes. Man, that's a hard job. If you believe you're good, you got to go find someone like you or better and to let go, right? Let go of the responsibility. And then let them do it. And so the businesses I run, and I've been learning this over the last seven, eight years. I'm not involved in the day to day and it's, they make so many horrible mistakes and I have to let them do it. Yeah. And that's so hard because it hits my bottom line because I'm the one that's collecting the profit at the end of the year. Yeah. So I, you got to let that happen. And it's almost like going to school for them. Mm. So that hit to your profit. Mm. If they're the good, right people in the right culture fitting and, and you believe in them, um, the key thing is that that's their tuition and your tuition to make it happen. Uh, so then you can scale and hopefully they learn from it. And um, so that's number one. Number two is with platforms out there these days, we've all learned a lot over the years uh, from Amazon and those type of, of clients, customers or uh, platforms that you can grow 
and scale through contingent workforces and uh, on-demand workers. Mm. And that is huge. Uh, and that's why I built Communal. Yeah. Um, sorry, I just had to plug in there. Um, and so I would advise people watching, especially if you're in the service business or anything to do with human capital. Yeah. I don't think marketplaces will ever take our businesses, service businesses out of uh, marketplaces for contingent workers will ever take out the traditional business. Maybe they will one day, uh, but they will definitely be the pipes yeah. that, run, that run the business and allow you to scale up and down fast. Uh, because back when I started, we had five to 10 year contracts in the marketing space. They were called agency of record deals. They're gone. Mm -hmm. The most average, the average uh, deal is like six months, two weeks. How do you scale for that, right? Uh, for instance, one of my clients, a big client, I won't say their name on here, will spend a million dollars with us in one month in fees. Mm -hmm. The next month, they'll spend 70000 Next month, they spend 200000 The next month, they spend zero. Mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you handle that? I'll tell you how. You get on platforms that have vetted contingent workers, and uh, that's a new wave, and that's how you scale. Oh, don't, don't worry about, you know, everyone asks, you might... How big is your company? I dream of the day when you brag about how small you are. Yeah. How, ask, lean, how lean you are. Go ask the top sellers on Amazon, four people, and they're crushing Abercrombie and Fitch or they're crushing Gap as 3,000 people. So it's the same in our business. Um, uh, the, the future is not how big you are. It's how small and lean you can be. I love it. Uh, Ryan, you, you'll be, you, you'll love this because, uh, you know, you may, may, may not know what I do, right? People think of what I do, they think I'm a social media, but my core business is I train salespeople and closers, right? Okay. And I want you, actually, what you just said, I say it all the time, human capital, I think is one of the most valuable capitals yes. for a century. So my core business is actually I've trained thousands and thousands of closers, contingency closers, commission based from around the world. Wow. That I offer to companies, right? Yeah. That's my core business. So you and I, we think alike. We should talk. Yeah, it's like, that's, that's what I do, right? Um, yeah. And so I do the training because I need that to nurture and create human capital. Yes. Like, so yeah. the training is not the core business. That's like the, the it's and, necessary part of the business. Right? And the great thing this thing did for us and the, and the, the web is you yeah. can be a talented person. You, need, you don't need to work for companies anymore. That's right. You have yeah. platforms and people like you and yes. Like, and you can see why I created the content that I create so that I'm talking to people who are looking for an alternative career. They're looking for, you know, a new job or, or something to work from home then there. And then I could create opportunities for them. That's, that's my ecosystem, right? That's my model. The fact well, you're going to hit a, you know, you're going to strike, you already have done well, but over the next five years, it's going to be a gold rush because that's where everything's going. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and people are going to watch this and say, no, <laughs> they're going to be like, I have my network of people. Yeah. Well, what happens when you don't, or, you know, I don't want to use platforms like that. Well, guess That's what? Right. All the retailers in the world used to say, oh, Amazon, no one's going to buy stuff on. Yeah. on, on yeah. Well, people are going to start sourcing their talent on platforms. 100%. And if you don't get on board. And the reason why you should get on board quickly, mm. it's important is because you need to figure out how to do it. It is hard. It's a, it's a mindset shift. Uh, the technology is easy to use. You have to learn how to integrate. So talk to me also about from, so we talk about scale, human capital, contingency. So you're outsourcing certain aspects of your business, right? Could be the sales, could be the marketing, yeah. different things that, that we do. Uh, I want to ask about branding. Let's talk about cult brand. 
and talk about Harley Davidson. So when you work with companies, how do you help them build the brand? Like for someone, is it just like some people they think, oh, is brand just is that, is that a logo? It's not a logo. We know that. Uh, is it just uh, doing good work? That's part of that. But how do you see branding? How do you build a cult brand? A lot of people, uh, I think the cliche thing to say on social or uh, from stage is logo and name are important. Hell yeah, they're important. Um, But they're definitely not most important. Mm. Um, And that's why you should pay people big bucks, come up with the right name for you that supports all the things I'm about to talk about. But the few things that I would share with your team, and I talked with them earlier on, but um, be remarkable. And what the word remarkable means is would someone at a cocktail party say, say your product right there, unlock it. Will they remark about how good that book is to someone else? Simple as that. Mm. And what they say about the book, it should be consistent with the, your consumers. More importantly, it should be consistent with your staff. Mm. And it needs to be in, consistent with your uh, C-suite. And then of course yes. with the CEO. Uh, Tesla's a great example. Their remarkability, um, people might think it's electric and all that stuff, but the early days of Tesla, their number one remarkability that if you asked all their, their people was acceleration. Yes. Yes. That? Yeah. Right? How fast you go. And so they built and layered on other stuff around that. Mm. Uh, but remarkability, what is that? Number two is purpose. So um, uh, have a real purpose that people can get behind other than buying your product or, you know, your phone or whatever, whatever, you know, your car, your, uh, uh, your destination, mm. uh, whatever you're selling. Um, the, what, what is the deeper purpose? People want to buy into that. Yes. The third thing is uh, inspire from within. I'm very lucky to get with, to work but for many years with um, uh, a guy named Tyler Williams, who's the, basically the CMO of Zappos. I don't know if you know that name. And Tony Shea. Yes. Is a, is Delivering a, Happiness, one of my yeah, favorite books. Yeah. And he's, a, he's became a friend of mine and a, and a, and a, and a good client. Um, but they have clearly built their culture from within. We have a saying around cult and help when we help people is if your customers don't buy your product, or sorry, if your uh, employees don't buy your product, you'll never convince the outside world to do it. And so we worked with a company unnamed, a big uh, retailer here in Canada. Mm. And we were, we couldn't convince, we couldn't convince the store clerks and people to wear their clothes. And yet we're expecting them to sell it to other people. Like it doesn't work. It's incongruent. Yeah. So it's not just inspire people from within about your culture and how fun it is to work there, but it's, do do they believe in the product? Uh, So those, those are three, there's three others. They're in the book. If you want to go and read them, not to leave a cliffhanger, but I don't want to fill you. I I love it. No, I love it. I love it. I'm definitely. So we touch on six points in the book. There's three others there. And then there's one other one that that's not in the book that we added afterwards, but is build temples and uh, cult brands build temples, a place to go. And uh, I love uh, Converse is a good example of this. They, uh, three or four years ago, and a guy named Jeff Cottrell, who's now moved over to be the CMO of Coke. Uh, I don't think they use that title. They use some other weird title. He, he was the CMO of Converse. Now he became the CMO of Coke. And he started something called Rubber Tracks, which was a um, music studio, pop-up studio mm. that uh, would help artists in tons of cities around the world record their album mm. uh, for free. And it would be high quality. And at the end of it, the artist, the rap artist or the rock artist would say, oh, we, should, we want to thank you on our album. And they would say, no, that's not why we did it. We, we wanted to build a place that you could come to experience Converse, what we're all about, um, giving back the culture. Mm-hmm. So they built these awesome studios that people could come to and experience Converse, not the shoes, 
what they stand for, and uh, they never took any credit for it. Well, the smart thing is, what do you think everyone's talking about on the street around that culture, piece of culture? It's that Converse, put rubber tracks together. And so those are things that I believe in that aren't marketing or advertising. Yeah, and and the temples is like like Starbucks, a, pl- a place for people to hang out. It doesn't mean that you have to have a retail location. It's it can be your office. This is Zappos made Zappos made their office. They have yeah. so many tours, right? I don't know if you've yes. ever seen one. Yes, uh, could be anything. We we cult, even cult collective a small to mid sized consulting firm. We created the gathering as a way to showcase. Hey, don't buy. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't believe. Maybe you don't believe what we say because we're try- we have a dog in the race. We're trying to sell you something. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, coming here from the cult brands and we did it in a castle in Bamp Springs. And so we made, we made it a, we made a bit of a theater of it all, but it's, uh, it works. Mm-hmm. So when, when it comes to your, so your brand, your, your temples, all, all these things that you do, I want to talk about pricing because yeah. with big companies. So for someone watching this or listening to this, they say, Hey Ryan, um, I, let's say I run an agency. Yeah. Like, how do you, like, I don't have a lot of experience. We have some experience, but how do you get these big name clients? That's yeah. And second of all, uh, what's your pricing strategy? Yeah. So we have a pricing stack. Okay. Which we can share with people um, for cults specifically. Okay. Uh, remember, I'm, I've stepped out in a more chairman role, so it's been mm-hmm. a few years since I've been in the room with them, so hopefully I'm not butchering. But uh, So we'll go into any client, even big uh, Fortune 100 companies and startups. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, there's different things we can do uh, fee for service, which is probably the basically time for money, the lowest level okay. of, uh, okay. uh yeah, time for money. the next stack, like a uh, retainer. What's that retainer? Yeah. Okay. Got it. Paying for, you know, outputs. Uh, then you can pay for the next level I think is uh partnership. So we're getting a little bit of fee and then some, Hey, do we deliver? Let's get a piece of that. You know, there's your sales go from 10 million to 50 million. Give us a small piece of that. Got or go straight uh, output or outcomes. So, hey, so don't pay us anything. It's called ad venture. Mm-hmm. So advertising venture. Mm-hmm. So we'll say, uh, I'll tell you a story, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a huge, I won't say their name, but people will figure it. There's a huge vape company, the biggest in the world now. Okay. Um, uh, they have an amazing little device. And uh, the CEO came to me when we were launching this company. Mm. We had worked with them in another venture, mm. and he said to me, you know, uh, we can't afford your fees. Would you take equity? And I famously, within these four walls and outside these walls, uh, people can do the research in the New York Times and stuff about mm. this story, but I famously said no. And it was a, uh, so I took the million and a half dollars mm. in cash rather than equity, and it's about a billion dollar mistake I made. Oh, uh, just, just over a billion dollars. Uh, that company's been worth seventy billion dollars or something like that. Yes. And I, I could have, uh, you know, had a piece of that along the way, mm-hmm. um, but we we didn't because we didn't offer it at that time and we didn't make it uh, part of the deal. So pricing is so massive, and there's so many different levels. There's a guy named Tim Williams. People are watching this. Write him down. Tim Williams. I think mm-hmm. is his company is called Ignite. Ignite. Okay. Consulting out of Salt Lake City. Okay. And he is the pricing guru. Another guy named Blair Enns, who's from Vancouver or BC. Uh, he has a, a, a book called, this is a, such a good book to get, Pricing Creativity. Okay. And this is all the stuff that I sound smart about saying, I just got from them. Mm, that makes sense. So there's some clients that maybe they to, to begin the relationship, maybe just like, hey, a retainer, let's see how it work together. Some opportunities you can see, oh, there's some potential here. I could take the company from 10 to 50, maybe even 100. 
So yeah. you share the upside or there's some that you're kind of taking a risk and say, Hey, you know what? I'll take equity. Sure, I'll man. put in a sweat equity. I was kind of putting, but who's, they, they're still funding the marketing dollars, right? You're putting in a sweat equity. We put in the fees. They'll pay for some, all the time, the media dollars. Yes. Got so it. The actual work getting done. And when I say sweat equity for me, I have a big shop. So it's actually not like I'm paying my people to do the work for them. So I'm putting cash in. Correct. Not, we're not invoicing them. Like labor, right? Time. Got it. And then another one, another uh, structure is, uh, say for, if you're working with, say we were working with Priceline, mm. um, we'll say we get paid per lead. Um, there's, there's so many different ways. Just don't go in. I think it's a show's weakness to say, hey, we're $150 an hour. Yeah, that's. I think it's very strong to lead with saying, "Why don't we get paid if you actually succeed?" Marketing's supposed to work, right? Mm, mm. Why? why so if it works, why don't I get paid on the upside? So that yes. it shows a lot of confidence. Yes, it's like I always say, no, no, uh, no fee is too high for success. Almost any fee is too high for failure, right? Well, then it makes you also look for fit because you can't say that to them if you don't think they're going to succeed. That's right, and then you have it forces to be more selective of of who you take on, right? Yeah. And, that's fascinating. And, and so, listen, and, listen I, I, and listen, it's a, that's going to be a lifelong journey for guys like you and me. We're going to have bets that we make that are the right ones and wrong ones. But I think getting over the fear of it and trying it is, is, uh, is, yeah. is fun. Is fun. Yes. And, and how did you um, attract some of these like bigger, bigger corporate clients? Yeah. So following my own rules. And so like starting the gathering, when we, when we named our firm in 2011, uh, cult and said we would only work with cult brands or those that are aspiring to that. We went from having millions of potential customers to like hundreds. Oh. So that's a problem, but it's also a good thing. Yeah. So, uh, cause when you're specialized, you can charge a lot more. Mm. Uh, so we, uh, said, Holy shit, we can't fly around the world with all these cult brands and try to get them to believe in us and buy. Mm. So when we started the gathering, it was actually a, it became much more pure, but in the early days, it was a Trojan horse to try to get them there, celebrate yeah. their brand, and thank God it became more special. We, we, we didn't even get through the first year where I was like, no one's allowed to sell. This thing's perfect. Mm. But on the back end of the gathering, we don't ever pitch. My team's not allowed to pitch or talk about cult, mm. um, but we play the long game. It might be four or five years, and uh, we might not get a deal from them. Maybe one of their CMOs comes and works for us. There's we play the long game, but uh, the thing we did was we did this event and we didn't do advertising and marketing. We did something different, which was, you know, build a temple and get them to come to you. Mm. And uh, we've succeeded. Um, I think we were a bit lucky and we also worked our asses off and made our luck happen. So that's one way uh, we wrote a book. We've yes. done it. Uh, yes. we've not, my, my, I've written two. One, it's a bit of a cheat. It's one and a half. Mm. One was a bit of a workbook. Mm. Uh, the first one was a real, real ass book. Uh, they're hard. It took us 18, oh, 18 months for the first one. And the second workbook took about six months. And then yeah. this, one, this one I'm writing right now called, yeah. I'm, I'm toying with the titles. It's going to either be called what the hell is going on. Okay. Revolution. Or what's the other one? What's the, is, it is it working? And it's like, oh, no. come on. It, it has to be what the hell is going on. Oh, see some people anyways. So, uh, so, but it's taken me two years on this one it's, and it's not even close. I'm, I'm actually setting it down for two months. I'm stopping working on it because mm. I'm done. Like I, I have nothing left to give and it's not done. So it'll probably, this book will probably take three to four years. So, um, but the payoff is huge. So yes. the, book, the book fix alone brought us probably, five to 10 clients. Cause people it's, you know, people are desperate to learn. And, um, 
but are, are people willing to put in the effort? They see your book there, Dan, which I'm going to get. Uh, I'll send it to you, man. I'll send it to you. Yeah. Sign it. You got uh, it. You got it. Yeah. The, uh, the book, the, the book is so much hard work and a lot of people like to look at the book and say, Oh, it's, you know, that's great. I'm going to do it. But then they don't do it man, because it's hard. It's and hard. So. It's hard. And writing the book and then, and then promoting the book, pushing the book because my book is coming out the book tour and all of that. It's just, it's, it's a tremendous amount of effort, right? Your first one? Oh, no, 13th. 13th? Yeah. This is my 13th book. But last time I wrote a book, it was almost nine years ago, 10 years ago. Wow. And I said to myself, I'll never write another book ever. Right. I said, I'm done with this shit. Like, this is, this is stupid. This is, takes so much time. And it takes so much time away from the business. Oh, yeah. But then, you know, I got convinced. What's it about? This book? Yeah. Yeah, it's an update of, well, I'll tell you the subtitle. The Master Key to Wealth, Success, and Significance. Okay. So it's really about the journey of how, who I was to who I am today. And that's why I think it's necessary to. to what, was your, what was the biggest unlock for you? Well, same thing with you. First 10 years of business career, ego-driven, yeah. success-driven, me, yeah. me, 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 me. And then I realized that's not what it's about. Yeah. And that's why, like, my last book is called F You Money. You think about that. Like, F You Money. It doesn't get any more ego than that. <laughs> like, you think about it, right? No, but, you know, like, I find, you talk to uh, Brian Scudamore as well and many other, it's almost like, I wonder if the ingredient is you have to have the ego as well. Uh, and then you need to tame it, right? I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking to the brand master. I'm, I'm open to ideas. Yeah, it's, it's taming it. You need that because you got to believe in yourself. No one else is going to believe in you. Just, mm. It's just when it goes too far, right? Yes. Yes. Think, well, I think at the same time, uh, personally, like I'm going also more, a little bit more mass media. Yep. So that it's like the fine balance of you still have that DNA, that daily edge, but yep. a little mass. Like, few money has profanity in the book. This doesn't have the profanity in the book, but it still has the principles, right? Yeah. Oh, anyway, I want to ask you this. Uh, yeah. So we talk about the chairman. So now with your company as a chairman, um, how actively are you involved with the day-to-day? -day? Do you meet with a team like once a month? Like how does that work? No, uh, the, uh, I think a true chairman or a, let's call it a, even a, a founder that's not there to make it less official. Oh. Um, your success comes from how little you're involved. Mm -hmm. And so with Cult, I'm so lucky to um, build a uh, company that has so many smart people in it that work hard. Mm. And um, so I, I go to finance meetings once a month, mm. only with our CFO and our, the other founders. Like so going I, through the numbers, right? Yep. Mm. And Big so trick. really I'm not managing at all. And I would say twice a year I'm involved. Okay. Um, and I, I would, if you went and pulled the staff at those at that company, whether in the U S or Canada, they would say, they probably say they're thankful I'm not not there. Uh, I know they like me, but I get I get because I, I have ideas. I get in and then I screw screw up their, uh, their day. Guess maybe we don't know the pulse as well as as the team yeah, is working day to day, right? They, they remind me. I let them know it's okay. Tell me to get out. Of here. <laughs> and and do you and and what do you do for in terms of like someone who wants to do that? Do you yeah. transition? Give them shares? Like how does that work? Yeah, definitely. And for me, equity is never free, so they need to buy them from okay. me. Yes. Uh, so I like to train them because they need to feel that. That's just, mm -hmm. Hey, if you want, you can, anyone, any one of my companies can be a partner or a part of it. Mm -hmm. You need to put the same money in that I did. Mm -hmm. Although I did it 20 years ago for $100. Now you got to put hundreds of thousands in. So you're late to the game, but mm -hmm. you got, it's got to hurt, right? 
a mm. little bit and mm. so that they feel bought in. Um, so that's one way. Um, okay. And the other way is um, we really build, we try to build young leaders and believe in them early. Uh, and good people that you invest in like that, that are young, don't forget that. And they return with loyalty, maybe not money. But mm. They return the favor of loyalty. And so I've, I've messed up a lot. I'm, I feel like my first 10 years, mm. uh, I'm sorry to those people that work for me out there for my first 10 years that you were training ground. I probably let you down the last 10 years. I'm doing my best. And I think if you look at legacy and care about legacy, uh, everyone will forget the money. Everyone will forget the clients, but your employees, the people that work for you, they don't forget you. And so that's, I want to be 80 and walking down the street and my kids, kids say, Oh, your grandpa was my, dad's boss and he loved him or something you know those are that's what i'm looking for so that that's uh that's key for me oh you, you with the gathering you asked i want to go back about being involved um the gathering i'm more involved in and I, this is important even though i'm the chairman and the founder but not involved in the day to day i do impress my dna on that yes uh, uh with purpose because that will be after i sell all my companies and do everything that's one i want to come back to because it's a platform for me to, to be connected to the biggest and best, bravest brands in the world. Mm. And that's just my, my purpose. I want to be part of that. And it's only once a year. It's something that I can be part of. And so I actually- It's almost like a, it's a business, but it's a hobby. It's your passion. Yeah. You, want, you, you could yeah. not get involved, but you want to be involved. Yeah, connecting people. And so that, with that said, I'm not involved in day to day, but I do come in and blow stuff up. But I don't feel bad about that because <laughs> it, needs, it needs my- and I made the decision and it might be wrong, but it needs my DNA on it. If you go back and ask all the people that came year one to year, uh, I always give the opening keynote, those to, and my, my keynote's 10 minutes. So it's not like I own the stage, it's three days I'm there. But I always wanna, I believe I have something, and this is the good ego part, I believe I have something to share with the world. Mm. And so I really think of those 10, 15 minutes as the thing that I'll have forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and how do you see this will be interesting questions. How do you see personal brand versus corporate brand? Now with social media, I know you have a vlog. Uh, how does that uh, impact your business or does that impact your business at all? But it, like in terms of building just personal brand versus corporate brand, right? The number one reason I started it, two, two main reasons. Number one reason I started it was because my employees at different companies that I owned or started, mm. started wondering where I was or what I was doing because I was doing different things. So mm. I reached out and I was like, let's have someone follow me around so I can show you. They liked it so much. Mm. Started watching it that they shared it with people, so it kind of took off. Mm. And I was like, "Oh, this is good. I'm going to keep doing." It. And then the second thing is, it's it scales me, so I can't be everywhere at all times. But I do have value to add to each of my companies, and so building that brand allows me to uh, for people to feel like they know me, which is good, mm. and reach out to me to say, "Oh, what? Uh, tell me about Cult. Our brand is yes. going through reinvention." And I, then I just make the quick handoff. Yes. And, uh, I like that my name is still attached to that handoff because mm. that's where the trust comes in. I can't, now I keep a close eye on it to make sure they don't let them down. Mm. So it's scaled my uh, capability because I couldn't be all, all things to all my time. companies and to all brands. Mm. But this content helps me be able to do that. And just like the DMs, you get them. Yes. You, know, you get lots of haters and I just let go because I don't give a shit. Yes. Um, I got my inner circle of friends and family that I care about and they chirp me too, which is yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, but, um, the, the people you help is amazing. And the DMS we get, uh, that like you changed my life or this is so important. I follow you every morning that that's what drives me. 
And so do you believe now it's important even as any CEO to also build a personal brand, but it's not sellable. Not as, you can't exit. I don't think you should sell it because I think you lose your platform if you sell it, right? Like, That's right. And then, and then for the corporate, so for someone that's running a corporate brand, right? They have a company. Should they do kind of both? Like what's your take? 100%. It's, just, it's, nothing, it's nothing new. They're insecure. I think they don't understand the platform, right? They used to love to go on the tour to CNN and NBC and, and, and be out yeah, there. Brian and I, we talked about this. I said, man, you got to be more on social. No, <laughs> Brian was like, well, I don't know. You're on TV, dude. Why are you not on social? Well, and Alice, I said this to Brian. I think it's a, it, it's a bit of ego because there's more um, prestige, but there's not because the eyeballs aren't there. Yeah. But there's and like if you're on those shows or the radio, people need to be tuned in at that time. At that, It's like you're not, you think you're being seen. It's vanity metrics. Uh, social, if you have good content, mm. this is the thing you probably dealt with this. I'd love to learn from you because I'm just starting here. I'm a, I'm a newbie, year and a half. Mm. But I'll, re, I'll meet people in New York last week or traveling and they'll be like, I watch you every morning. And like, they've never commented once. They've yeah, never yeah. liked. I've never heard yeah. from them. And yeah. so actually can't care about the metrics. You have to have them there, but you never know who you're impacting and what it can turn into. And so you got to be on social. Like you just have to be as a leader. Yeah. Um, that's my own personal opinion. There's many great CEOs that aren't. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, so. we, can, you can, we can argue, but it depends on also your industry. Of course, I think that, that there's a factor. Or I had I had one I had one investor, potential investor in this new. We're doing a big fu uh, funding round right now for Communa for my marketplace, and he told me in, in our diligence because I try to interview the investors as much as they interview me. Smart, because uh, I'm not giving I'm not giving it away to people that are going to be assholes you, you want a strategic investor yeah. and so this one guy says to me he's like literally 99 percent of the investors love my social and they, they think it's helpful and they're smart this guy's like you don't do that you just like told me that you'd stop doing it for a couple months and i don't have a i was like tell me why and his reasons were horrible and i'm like <laughs> what, what, what was his reason it uh it, it could potentially be taken the wrong way or they hear a sound but i'm like listen i'm not a public company CEO. I don't give a shit what people think. I'm, I'm yeah. speaking from the heart, yeah. uh, but it comes back from fear and he's old school. And I'm not saying just cause you're old, but I hope when you're 50 or I'm 60 or 70, we don't look at younger CEOs mm. and judge what they're doing. Cause they're going to be doing crazier shit than we are. <laughs> I, I just dropped them right away. And then I, I was like, and then I asked him for some other things uh, like, Hey, can I speak to some of the other founders you've invested in? And then he laughed at me. He's like, yeah, right. And I'm like, goodbye. Like red flag after red flag. So yes. um, it's important. <clears throat> it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, one piece of advice before you go for entrepreneurs who are, who are starting out. Let's yeah. say they, they just start the business. They still try to find, find ways to even just not thrive, just to survive. Mm. What would you say to them? Yeah, I'd say find somebody a mentor or someone that's done it before, not just someone who says they're smart or a parent, someone that's done what you're doing before, search them out. You'd be shocked that they say yes. Mm, and give, give them equity because you mm. have nothing anyway, especially if you're young. Yeah. I wish I did that because it would have saved me from, from a few things. And yeah. so give, give them a piece, obviously make sure they're the right person because mm. um, you don't have the money to give them. So give them a piece of your business and, uh, and then make it vest. So don't just give it away. So when I say vest, make it like over three years or something like that, three or four years. And then the second piece is it's just really hard. I had someone tell me last night, just last night, I'm going to build this product and 
I'm going to flip it for $5 million in a couple of years. I'm like, no, you're not. So it's patience. It's like, yeah, you might have a, but you're going to, you forgot to leave out the piece. If you're going to flip it in a couple of years for $5 million, bucks, you're going to work 90 hours a week. Then we can talk. Yeah. Right? But when I hear that we're just going to flip things or make it, it's not going to happen fast. Listen, I'm a quick, a quick buck or like uh, you can see, you can hear it, the lack of passion, the lack of purpose. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's funny how it works when you don't focus on the money. Yeah. Money's there. And it, look what it did to me. I had a great business and then I over, because of that, I wanted to go, go, go and make it look better to, uh, you know, look, make it look Baker, better. Yeah. Yeah. And I made it, it actually ruined me. And so like, just take your time and there's nothing wrong with like, I'm, I'm 22 years in business now and I feel like I'm just getting started. So if you're one year, two years in, like, Settle into it. I really, I really hope one person believes that because I know 90, 90, if there's 100 people, 99 of them are going to say, no, I want to go. And you know what? I was that guy too. So they're going to think I'm the exception, right? It's yeah. not going to take me 10 years. It's going to take me two. Then you and I both laugh. We know. No, it's going to be gosh, you're not. <laughs> right? And, and most, I think almost all the friends that I know who are successful entrepreneurs, I don't think many of, I think almost all of them succeed in decades, not in years. Correct. Like it's like 10 years and up minimum. Yep. Like even they might have, they might have got a first break in a few years, but it's really 10 years or more. So even Zuckerberg, which would be the Wayne Gretzky, the Michael Jordan, which is one of them. They took a long time. It, it didn't happen overnight. They IPO'd in what? 2011. <laughs> like, uh, it's, it's so sad. And you know what? Me and you probably fell victim to that too in our career. It's nice mm -hmm. to go out of it and be like, oh, this is my second decade. Now I'm actually making a big difference. Um, because you, you can be big in Calgary or, or Vancouver, but go to China, no one knows you. Like for, for me, like, you know, or go to Toronto, like just be realistic of what you've done. And, and I think it's a good level set. Still believe in yourself. Like you got it or you'll get run over, but mm -hmm. it takes time. And knowing that the world is so much bigger, that it doesn't matter. You're like, yeah, like it's, it doesn't matter how big you get. It's, it's, more, great it's, feeling. Just, it's a great feeling. It's not a bad feeling. It's like, oh, I, that means I have way more to grow into. To do remain humble. Awesome. Ryan, if we want to get your book, if my listeners, my, my viewers, they want to find out more about what you do or the conference, what's the best way to, to do that? Yeah. So the book is on Amazon, Fix, nice. Break the Addiction, Killing Thanks. Brands. And then the other one's called Community Inc., which is a workbook for creatives to become sole openers, both on Amazon. And then my social, you can find everything about my other companies and the gathering and cult on my social. It's at, at Ryan Gill shares. At Ryan Gill. Perfect. At perfect. Ryan Gill shares, yeah. And awesome. And when are you launching your third book? Third book like I said, it might be two years. I, I'd like it to be February. It's just not going to be. So yeah. I'll let you know first. I'll try to get on your show. You got it. And I'll make sure I'll send you a copy of unlock it as well. It's great. Thank you. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. That's it for today's episode of The Dan Lok Show. Head over to thedanlokshow.com and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes. You are guaranteed to expand your thinking, your network, and your network. So be sure to subscribe to the show today. Dan also has a gift for you. Go to www.danlockshow.com because there are bonuses when you subscribe.